Welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast, where we explore the spirituality of the Christian child through the method of catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I am your host, Carrie Mecki Lozano. Today, we are continuing our journey through the book, The Religious Potential of the Child, written by Sophia Cavaletti. And today, we are going to dive into chapter eight, which talks about education to wonder. What is wonder? Why is wonder so important in regards to religious and spiritual formation? And how does it affect us as adults? But how can we stifle wonder in children? And how can we help grow wonder in children? So I've invited Claire Paglia back on the podcast. She has joined us many, many times because she is so wise and wonderful. And so she is going to dive into this chapter eight with me. We invite everybody to jump into this really rich book, The Religious Potential of the Child, this summer. And you can gather friends or catechists, fellow parents, grandparents, do the book study on your own. But we are inviting everybody to explore for the first time or maybe to pick the book up again and re-explore this really beautiful book. So we have a list on our website of which podcast episodes line up with which chapters of this book. And so there's a link in our show notes for you to be able to see that. And that's there to just aid you on your journey as you read through this really rich book. Sometimes it helps to kind of pause and discuss with somebody or maybe the podcast can be a form of listening to us discuss this chapter to help you dive into it a little bit more. We also have study questions to help also aid your book study. So we really hope that you are able to utilize these resources to help you understand a little bit better the religious potential of the child. I hope you enjoy. Claire, welcome back to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, For anybody who might not have listened to the many, many past episodes that we've had, you on, would you briefly explain or tell us who is Claire? Sure, I'd be happy to. So I am a child of the atrium. Um, I was in the atrium, I think, through level three. And then as an adult, I completed my AMI primary Montessori training, and I was Montessori guide for a while. And I also did my um, level one training with catechesis. And so I'm also a level one catechist. And really enjoy being with the children and and experiencing kind of the world through their eyes. Mm-hmm. And you also have three beautiful children Yes, that you apply the Montessori philosophy and the catechesis philosophy at home. Yes. So That's I have beautiful. Three. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Claire, we are going to dive into chapter eight of the religious potential of the child and like every, I think I say this for every chapter. I wish I could just read you the whole chapter because there's so much wisdom in this chapter. Yes, it's, it is fully packed. It sure. is fully packed. Let's just start with what is wonder? How does Sophia explain what that is? Sophia talks about it and she really compares it to a magnet. She was mm-hmm. kind of using that analogy. Um, And she says, the nature of wonder is not a force that pushes us passively from behind. Mm -hmm. It is situated ahead of us and attracts us with irresistible force toward the object of our astonishment. It makes us advance toward it filled with enchantment. Mm -hmm. And she even goes on further to say that wonder is a dynamic value. Nevertheless, it does not drive us. 
to activism, but draws us to activity, to an activity we do as persons immersed in the contemplation of something that exceeds us. There's so much there. There's so much there. I totally agree with it. Wonder, I imagine like um, I had the privilege of sitting with Sherry Mock and she was showing me a Montessori presentation with a flower. And she wondered, she just drew into every piece of that flower. And it was like 30 minutes of sitting with this one flower in amazement. And it was, it was very much like a magnet. You were from that being able to sit with this one thing this beautiful object, it was a magnet where you were drawn into the beauty where normally you're moving too fast to notice all of that. Yes, definitely. I think nature really helps us with that. And, you know, so many of the presentations in the atrium and even in a monastery environment really capitalize on that wonder and help Mm -hmm. draw that out. And really, then it cultivates that polarization of attention and they can you know, it just keeps planting that seed and helping it grow. Mm-hmm. It's really amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Sophia says on the next page, on page 108, she talks about the importance of needing prolonged moments in order to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, if we skim over things, we will never be surprised by them. Like that's like a mic drop. Like she, that's what all of us, that's what we do. Our culture moves so fast, but if we will never be surprised by anything, if we continue to move fast. And I'm so grateful for the atrium to provide these prolonged moments with specific objects, these beautiful objects to, um, and not just objects, not when I say objects, I don't mean physical things, but just prolonged moments of sitting with maybe a word or scripture or the light or a mustard seed or a practical life. And you get that gift of being able to be surprised by it. Mm -hmm. What all is in this? We're really offering the child that gift of time and the time to just be with and and experience that essentiality that we talk so much about. Um, It's just... It's a huge gift that we can give them. Mm-hmm. And children tend to have wonder so easily. It's part of their very nature to like we I, I'm imagining all the times as a mother that I've, you know, my child has stopped to look at a flower or stopped to look at a sparkly rock or I'm um, just watching their feet or their shadow. And, you know, as a mother, we're like, come on, come on, come on, we got to go. We got to go. They're already naturally in that state of wonder over the all the beautiful details of the world that surrounds them. And we just forget. We do. And I think I think children really do have kind of a window of wonder, if that makes any sense. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. You know, I think as adults, we become so preoccupied either with overly analyzing or overly examining details of something or just completely skimming over it, like you were saying. You know, I think that, that having that time and, and really taking that time to pause with the child really provokes wonder within us, too. Yeah. The, the children really help us to bring that back out and remember what it's like yeah. to be a child and see things through their eyes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't notice that beautiful flower. You're right. I didn't notice that sparkly rock there. They point that out to us and, and aid us in being able to sit for a little bit. Yeah. Sophia says, 
at the very bottom, she starts on 108. She's quoting saying, It has been said that one of the negative points of modern education is that it is losing more and more of a sense of surprise and that we are no longer amazed by anything. So this mm-hmm. is like the the consequence of the pace, the skimming yes. over things, the not allowing for these prolonged moments of wonder. We're no longer amazed by anything. Mm-hmm. And I think when the focus is pushing so much content on the child, it also removes the wonder. You know, it just mm. completely, it takes, the, it takes the joy out of it. And I think that's a huge gift that we offer in the atrium is, is the time is the contemplation, you know, allowing those things, the contemplation and activity to still commingle instead of separating them and saying, right. okay, well, we're going to do all this activity and then we're going to jump to this and then jump to this. Um, but to really offer that time to contemplate. Um, I actually had looked up the definition of wonder as well. And it was really interesting to see that in, you know, side by side with Sophia's. Um, but in the Oxford dictionary, it said that, Wonder is a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. I thought that that was, there's so many awesome words in there. Mm -hmm. Um, And she really touched on that too. You know, I don't think she was checking it out in a dictionary when she wrote this chapter. I think she was like, this is, this is what's happening. This is what I'm seeing. And, and she really wrote from that experience, but Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting that she also focuses so much, makes a point to say that this wonder is based in reality. It only comes from reality. There's not this, you know, I think we, sometimes I think adults confuse wonder with even fantasy or, you know, just supernatural is not quite the word that I'm looking for. But but I think Sophia was really focusing on the value of wonder that comes from reality mm-hmm. and that's based in reality and the youngest children, that's really the only way that they can experience it because they can't mm-hmm. differentiate between fantasy and reality until they hit that second plane of development. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Wonder is something different than, you know, a, a big imagination where you can imagine all mm-hmm. these wondrous things. She talks about Alice in Wonderland kind of mentality, that that's not the kind of wonder that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. It's a wonder that draws you into the nucleus. It draws you into reality, like the child staring at the beautiful flower and then noticing the petals and the seeds and the different colors on each petal. And it's the wonder is drawing you into the beauty that God has created all around us, not a fictional imaginative thing Mm -hmm. yeah so claire would you speak into why is wonder important for religious education so sophia writes um, in this chapter she shares when wonder becomes the fundamental attitude for our spirit it will confer a religious character our whole life because it makes us live with the consciousness of being plunged into an unfathomable and incommensurable reality. And when I read that, of course, I had to read it a few times because mm-hmm. it's, it, it's mm-hmm. a really rich quote. Um, but I was thinking about as a child of the atrium, you know, that seed, if, if you're able to have that experience, or even if you're able to experience just the wonder of God 
as a child. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the atrium. It's wonderful if it's an atrium experience. But um, when that seed is planted as a child, there seems to be a particular openness to wonder because it comes so naturally, like we were talking about. And it really seems to allow the child to grow into an adult who is open and willing to receive the spirit and to really acknowledge the presence of God. And it's not to Mm -hmm. say that you can't do that as an adult leader. I know plenty of adults that come to, you know, circle back to their spiritual life as an adult and want to dive into it. It's just been interesting to hear even some of the catechists that I've worked with, worked with that did not really have any religious formation as a child and hear them say, you know, I really struggle with the parables or I really struggle with, you know, there's certain things that we do even just with the youngest children that encourage wonder, but because that hadn't happened for them to, to try to circle back to that as adult is, as an adult is really tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sophia goes on to share that, you know, children, and she also includes, you know, poets and artists and older adults, they're able to view the world as new and see those small and beautiful things that others miss. So when it comes to religious education, we know that, you know, God and the Holy Spirit and all of all of these different elements of religious formation just have an expanse and a mystery and a breadth that we, you know, are really trying to, as adults, we try to analyze it and we try to figure it out, but children can just experience it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's um, why wonder really needs to be connected with religious education. It needs to be part of what we're doing instead of just doing activities and doing, you know, jumping from mm-hmm. one thing to the next, mm-hmm. but just giving time and space for it. I think it also shows a consciousness and also respect mm-hmm. for who the child is. Mm-hmm. Um, we see that through Maria Montessori and Sophia and Gianna and all these beautiful people that they noticed the child's capacity for wonder and knew that this would, could be a path towards the heart of God. Because if you imagine, mm-hmm. if you were to take any one piece of our faith let's say a chalice, and just sit with the chalice the way I was describing before with a flower, by sitting and just absorbing it and wondering about it and letting your mind wander around it and the beauty of what this beautiful vessel is, but then also the, even more importantly, the beauty of what it can, can contain and what does that mean? What does that say to me? What does that say about who I am? Sitting with this one isolated object in a state of wonder invokes relationship and invokes love. And I think that Maria and Sophia and Gianna uh, noticed that and Mm -hmm. like using that almost, almost as a way of like capitalizing on the potential that could be there. Taking something that was already there, observing that in the child. But like you said, the beauty of of then us as adults, especially because we don't do that. We've moved too fast. Maybe we never were taught how to sit with something, sit in silence, sit in with the simplicity. The child reminds us, like, let's go pick one piece of our faith, just one, like mm-hmm. the rich food, but little of it. Mm-hmm. And just sit with that and see what God 
guides you towards in that one thing. And I think you could pick any piece of our faith, maybe one prayer, maybe one word, maybe, you know, one piece of the mass, one piece story from the Bible, anything. And you sit with it like the child has shown us what they do with a sparkly rock. Mm-hmm. And it, I think that there, the depth of capacity behind it, the layers that you would find is, is endless. Yes, definitely. So... Claire, what can we do as adults? And also, what can we not do in order to help the child not lose the wonder? I think this is a really important piece of this, is to really consider what we can do as the prepared adult in the environment to make sure that we're cultivating and not hindering wonder. Mm -hmm. You know, Sophia shares in that chapter, chapter 8, What also aligned, you know, there were things as I read that I was remembering from my Montessori training, you know, the kind of, it's really interesting how they just kind of, you know, mesh really well together. But so there were things that as I read, I was like, oh, this reminds me so much of what I learned in my my Montessori training and aligned with what Dr. Montessori shared as well. But that we should not give too many things, too much stimulus, change things too rapidly, or even interrupt concentration. We really need to ensure that what is being offered in our environments really aligns and nourishes, aligns to the child and nourishes the child. Mm. And I think it's really vital for us, as we talk about so often, to fully embrace essentiality and simplicity to really and protect the concentration of the child and and really offer the child that gift of time that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's you know, it's, it's easy to be like, oh, well, they really love that material. So maybe I should make like another version of it, or maybe I should make, you know, mm-hmm. something. And it's like, no, <laughs> we, there's a, there's a reason why we have one of each material in the environment. You know, when, when we have one, it helps to develop patience and respect and cultivate wonder too. Mm-hmm. We allow enough time for the child to experience the materials in the atrium. You know, this, this is really another element of an uninterrupted work cycle, an uninterrupted time that's really focused on individual or small group work. And, you know, we don't, in the atrium, we're not changing, we're not changing activities every 20 minutes. We're not entertaining them. Exactly. There's not an entertainment piece to it. But Sophia writes that it's our task as the educators to offer the child's wonder an object capable of taking the child always farther and deeper into the awareness of reality. An object whose frontiers are always expanding as the child slowly proceeds in the contemplation of it. Mm. And I think that quote really just, you know, there's so much in there too. Yeah. So the, what we are at the object is just as important as well. I think that, speaks into what we were talking about earlier of a flower mm-hmm. versus, you know, Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, the object, an object that is worthy of contemplation, an object mm-hmm. that is worthy sitting in silence will invoke the child into a deeper contemplation. Mm-hmm. I love, I felt very called out by the too many stimuli. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some in, in regards to, like in a home atmosphere, it made me look around 
and see, okay, there, there's too much. There's too much. And so there's less of a chance of my children invoking wonder if there is so much stimuli, if there's so much stuff everywhere. And I think that also goes in a non-physical way, like how busy are we, mm-hmm. you know, um, too many things to do also draws less of a wonder in what you're physically doing. Definitely. And then in the atrium, that says to me, you know, I think it's very normal for us as adults to just want to give all the beautiful things to the children, to our children that we love so much, but maybe offering too many words mm-hmm. when we're trying to explain how amazing the Good Shepherd is or how amazing the altar is or whatever it is. In our love of it, we offer too many words. And mm-hmm. so it's too much stimuli. Or maybe we're wanting to offer too many pictures on the wall or too many. We add materials or add things to materials. Um, maybe we embellish, you know, the walls of the Annunciation diorama or et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You can go on forever. But this this idea that too much stimuli can extinguish wonder that I felt very called out there and something that I need to kind of check in myself. I think it's a really, it's definitely an important thing to be aware of. I think the atrium lends itself to being, I mean, I know it was, it was created that way, right? (laughs) The point was Mm -hmm. to focus on essentiality instead of adding too much, but it, it helps to have that confirmation of, okay, this is why the Annunciation diorama is simple, mm-hmm. but it gets it allows the child to dive into that deeper work. Right? There's not the, not the distractions of too many extra things in there. Right. I think at home it is trickier because it's not just one plane of development that you have at your house. Right. Else. You know, when you have multiple age groups of children, I think it's um, it's it's a more conscious effort to make sure all of those things are still in check. And it's, you know, I think it's always a work in progress. There's not a right a final final point to get to. Mm-hmm. It is, especially after birthdays and Christmas. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, in the atrium, one of the areas that you can see this education to wonder the most is in the mystery of the kingdom of God. These parables of the kingdom of God that we offer to the children. Claire, can we speak into those parables and how they foster wonder. Yes. So those kingdom parables are such a prime example of how we nourish the child's propensity towards wonder. I think Sophia wrote, uh, she said, what is extraordinary is that the great comes from the small. And I think Mm. that idea in and of itself promotes wonder. But the three materials that we're talking about are the mustard seed, the leaven, and then the seed that the farmer sows and you know she makes the point to say even for the mustard seed and the the seed of grain that you know we haven't necessarily watched a plant grow in real time right we can't sit and be like okay let's see how much growth is happening today Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. you can kind of see gradually over time but you cannot sit there and just watch the whole thing happen in real time but it made me think of my my boys really like to watch planet earth And they have, in some of those, they have some really great time lapses of plants growing. But even just watching that is is awe-inspiring. You know, you just see this, like, you can see this growth happening. But then you think about that when you come back to the parables. And while, yes, that leaven work 
it's really cool to see that growth happen just from the beginning of the atrium session to the end. You know, we can't necessarily do that with the mustard seed. We can show them the picture, but, but we can still focus on this idea of that something great can come from something small and just wondering with the child, how is this connected to the kingdom of God? You know, this is all part of God's kingdom. Um, but how do those things connect? And just letting the child go from there. You know, we don't have to give them every single answer for these things. We can just let them think on it and, and mm-hmm. figure it out for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Sophia speaks about how that contemplating the miracle of life itself within the mustard seed and within these seeds mm-hmm. that grow, like how can it go from small to great? And then then it mirrors in all of creation this miraculous growth, this miracle of life itself that you see. That's how is it growing? How is this happening? And then they can reflect back inside it themselves, which just has layers of depth that we can't even dive into at this moment. But wow, that always is so, and she speaks about it in this chapter, but the reflecting back into the selves and then the the respect that the child would have for their own selves, their own body, it's just, it's beautiful. It really is. And it really, these parables really give us that springboard that we talk about too so often. You know, that force that's working through the universe. And, and Sophia really writes, she says, that it's the secret of creation from an immeasurable littleness to the greatest of realities by means of an energy that surpasses every human capacity. You know, I think um, just thinking about that as a jumping off point for so many different directions that they can go with this. And and we're not saying you can only go, you, we, you know, we're only going to talk about this part or you can only <laughs> do this follow-up for this material. We really let them figure it out for themselves. Um, mm-hmm and really go from that whole to part idea or from simple to complex. Right. Which is exactly what wonder is. You're mm-hmm. sitting there with something very simple. And as you have the time and space to sit and wonder, it spirals bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's beautiful. It really is. It really is. Um, so we also have the two kingdom of God parables that invoke value. Yes. So for those two with the pearl and the hidden treasure... You know, those younger children really need to have the time to contemplate, not really focus on how or why both of the individuals in these parables gave away everything they had. You know, I think sometimes we lean that direction, like, oh, this right. is so incredible. They gave up everything. Like, what? But for the youngest ones, we really want to focus on how beautiful that pearl is of great value. Mm-hmm. You know, the. And, and for the treasure, too, like focusing on the contents of the treasure, not what the man has to do with them. Not like, oh, I guess he's going to go buy a really big farm or I guess he's going right. to you know, go trying to find the next treasure or um, just really letting contemplating together. And that contemplation of being is really enough without having to dive into the why or the how right. or what they have to do. Right. Right. The object of the wonder is the pearl, is mm-hmm. the treasure. That that is where the focal point is. Yeah, we forget that so much because as adults, we're thinking about the doing, yes. the cost. <laughs> but the children so beautifully have reminded us over and over that it's like, no, 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 the treasure. 
It's just a treasure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they can hold that close. It's just, I love hearing their responses too when they, Oh yes. There's so much richness there. Yeah. Yeah. And they all point out what we've been saying about what the children really focus on. Mm -hmm. How, how beautiful the kingdom of God is. I think it's interesting too. I think she said later in the chapter, um, Sophia writes that the very form of the parables we cited promotes wisdom. The child's attention is called to something that has a twofold attraction, its littleness and the child's capacity for discovering that the smallest things, discovering the smallest things and considering them with great concentration is well known and the contrast it offers when juxtaposed with something very great. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it, again, it returns to this idea of just enough. You know, it's such a, <laughs> I think as adults, we're like, oh, we have to give them more. We have to, but that is enough for them to just look at putting those two things side by side. Um, and even, even Dr. Montessori noticed a sensitive period for small objects and how the child is attracted to things that are small. And so then it's easy for us to help them connect that to how great things can come from small things. Like I think that connection can be there for the child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like as adults, we are trying to convince somebody who's already convinced. Yes. <laughs> they, they already had it with the very simple proclamation. And we just keep throwing things at them as if they aren't weren't already in love. Exactly. <laughs> I think they so often try to remind us, you know, in different ways that they already have it. They already know. We just have to be willing to see it and observe it and then respond. Right. Or or just allow space for them. You know, we don't even have to respond every time. Yeah, that's huge. I think um, sometimes we feel like the presentation is more important, but it is that work time that allows them to um, sit in that place of wonder. Yes. Yeah. I remember being... I think it was in the level one or maybe level two atrium as a child and really wishing I had even more work time than what was available. Mm. Um, because we're, you know, you, depending on what church you're in, you're really constrained by <laughs> what, what the church is allowing for religious, ed, you know, for the formation. Right, right. Sometimes it's just an hour, but you know, I remember wanting that. I wanted more time to just be with the materials and work with them. So I mm. think sometimes that gift of time is, is honestly enough for the child. Just mm-hmm. giving them the time to just be. Very true. Well, thank you, Claire. Thank you so much for helping us to ponder this beautiful chapter a little bit today. Sure. I'm glad that I could be here. I enjoyed it. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. Wonder is such a beautiful and rich topic. And so I hope that this episode really aided you in a deeper understanding of what wonder is and what it is capable of, especially in our spiritual formation. I have links in our show notes if you need to get your hands on the third edition of The Religious Potential of the Child. I also have links in there for the list of podcast episodes that match up with the different chapters and to the book study questions. I know so many of us are in the middle of a lot of different formations over the summer. If you would like to learn more about joining a formation, you can go to our website at cgsusa.org. And underneath the Learn tab, you will be able to find 
a list of formations that are happening all over the country. And if you go on our social media platforms on Facebook and Instagram, you will be able to see pictures of the different groups of formation for level one, for level two, level three, and the infant toddler from our brothers and sisters all over the country. We hope that everyone is having a wonderful time. This week, we are lifting up our benefactor member, the Catechist's Husband, who handcrafts materials for the catechesis of the Good Shepherd. He would like to send a message that it is time to start looking towards your needs for materials in your atria. So to make sure that you give your vendors and local craftsmen as much notice as possible for your atrium materials for next year. We have a link to the Catechist Husband's website in our show notes that can show you all the beautifully handcrafted materials that he makes. This podcast is sponsored by the United States Association of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. If you would like to know more about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, or if you would like to become a member, please go to cgsusa.org. Thank you all for listening this week. We will see you in two weeks. Go and fall more deeply in love with God.